Hello, welcome back to Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. I am G2. I am here to bring you your Wrestling Highlights of the Week for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, and Impact Wrestling. Now, without further ado, let's start the show, Raw. Raw will open up with Rhea Ripley coming down to the ring because she is going to get a new uh Women's World Championship. They decided to drop the SmackDown Women's Championship and the Raw Women's Championship. They did Raw last uh, SmackDown when they awarded Asuka the WWE Women's Championship. So now they're doing this for Rhea, and she's dropping the SmackDown Women's Championship. So Rhea will receive a Women's World Championship. It's the same design as the Men's World Heavyweight Championship, but it's on white leather. And as soon as Rhea will get the championship, she will pose with it in the air. The crowd would cheer for Rhea because the crowd loves Rhea. But then Dominic Mysterio would come down to the ring. Dominic would hold the championship a little bit and then he would put it around the waist of Rhea and that just completely has everyone booing because everybody hates Dominic. Now Rhea would have Dominic sing her praises. Then Cody Rhodes would come to the ring. Cody would say that he would like to talk about the slap that Dominic gave him last week. Cody would then challenge Dom to a fight at Money in the Bank. Rhea would accept on Dominic's behalf. Miz would try to come in the ring and get a cheap shot on Cody, but Cody would pop Miz. Cody would then look back at Dom, who was trying to set up to do something to Cody, but Dom would back down. Until Cody would again turn around and close on Miz out of the ring. Dom would then take this opportunity to hit Cody in the back, then quickly leave the ring. And we would get our match uh, situated for Cody versus Dominic Mysterio at Money in the Bank. But we turn to our first match of the night, Cody Rhodes going against The Miz. Cody would win the match by pinfall using the crossroads. Solid opening match for Raw. Now we have our second match. Becky Lynch going against Chelsea Green with Sonya Deville in her corner. Becky will win the match by submission by using the Dishonor to make Chelsea Green tap out. Now we will go backstage. The Judgment Day will be walking in the back. Priest is getting himself ready to go against Riddle in a uh, Money in the Bank qualifying matchup. And everybody will be talking except for Finn because he looks... Like, a little bit perturbed, but he looks laser-focused at the exact same time. Rhea would say that Dom is going to beat Cody at Money in the Bank. Priest would agree to that and say that Riddle is going to get beat tonight and he's going to qualify for the Money in the Bank uh, matchup. And Priest would say that he only acts that he is allowed to go out there by himself. And when he does this, he looks a little bit at Finn and he just walks by everybody in Judgment Day and then walks to the ring. So this makes it official. Damian Priest wants to be by himself. He wants to be on this mission to win matches technically by himself without the Judgment Day. He's trying to like wing off from them in this aspect here. So we get to our Money in the Bank qualified matchup between Matt Riddle and Damian Priest. Priest would win the match by pinfall when Riddle was going for a springboard move on Priest, but Priest would catch him and hit the Razor's Edge for the win. Now our men's Money in the Bank qualified matchup would be completed. It's now Damian Priest. Uh, LA Knight, Ricochet, Shinsuke Nakamura, Santos Escobar, and Butch, who will be competing in the men's uh, Money in the Bank ladder match. Now, after this, we would have Gunther and Ludwig Kaiser coming down to the ring. Priest would offer Riddle to them. They would accept, and Imperium would uh, lead an attack on Riddle and leave Riddle laying in the middle of the ring. Now, we would go to Ricochet going against Bronson Reed because Ricochet has a beef with Bronson because Bronson uh, got in Ricochet's business with Nakamura last week. And this will lead to Nakamura coming down in the middle of this matchup, and he'll be watching this 
match happened from commentary. And Nock would kind of be the reason why Ricochet loses the match by disqualification. When Bronson would throw Ricochet into Nakamura at the commentary table. This would make Nakamura attack Bronson Reed when Bronson was going to the top turnbuckle. Causing the disqualification. Now, after the bell rung, Ricochet would get angry and tell Nock that this was his fight. Nakamura would be angry, but he would agree with Ricochet. This, however, allowed Bronson to hit both men with a body attack. And then you would see Bronson just, like, drag Nakamura's body over. And Bronson looks to hit a tsunami from the top turnbuckle. But Nakamura and Ricochet will both get up, run over, and start hitting Bronson. And then you see both Nock and Ricochet go to the top turnbuckle with Bronson Reed, and they will hit a double superplex, and that will lay out Bronson Reed here. Now we would go to the back. Adam Pierce is on the phone, and you see Ricochet go up to Pierce, and he's begging Pierce for another opportunity against Bronson Reed since Nakamura cost him uh, this week. And Pierce would tell Rick that he can't do that because next week Bronson Reed has a matchup against Nakamura. And when he says this, Nakamura will be standing behind Ricochet. Ricochet will let Nakamura know that, hey, dog, you do that again with my business, it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be a problem between me and you. I want Bronson Reed. So you see Nakamura hear this. He says, I understand that you want Bronson, but I have him next week. You can get him after I do something that you couldn't do. Succeed. So next week in Nakamura's match against Bronson Reed, you can kind of smell some chicanery afoot with Ricochet probably being out there and costing Nakamura the match the same way Nak did him this week. Now, after this, we would get Finn Balor coming to the ring. Finn Balor's in a serious mood, and he would call out the World Heavyweight Champion, Seth Rollins. Seth will come down to the ring, and the fans are loving Seth, and they are singing his song so much that Finn Balor would try to overtalk the fans, but he just couldn't get it right. And in the process of when he tries to do so, the fans would still sing over Finn, and it would just cause Finn to lose focus, and he would just stop, to a point that even as Seth would have to say, all right, Finn, talk. You waited all this time. You had me here. You better make it worth your while making these people stop their party. So Finn would unload on a bunch of hatred that he's been building up in the past seven years. Finn will say that he was the first round draft pick. He beat Roman on his first night. Then three weeks later, he pinned Seth to win the Universal Championship. And he will blame Seth for taking his momentum, his championship, and a year of his life away from him when Seth basically injured Finn in their match at SummerSlam. So Finn will say this, and he will say that he's going to take Seth's momentum, his championship, and a year of his life away from him at Money in the Bank. Seth would retort and say that this is the Finn Balor that he's been waiting for for the past seven years. Not the former shell of a man that's been wandering around. He's been waiting for this guy, the guy that came in those seven years and made an impact. But their SummerSlam match sent them on two different paths. One was someone going off to become bitter, and he would point at Finn with this, and he would say the other going off to becoming better every step and every day, which Seth is talking about himself. Seth would say that Finn will get his match at Money in the Bank, but he would ask Finn, what version of Finn Balor will we be seeing at Money in the Bank? Which version of you is going to come to London and fight for this title? Because this bitter 
shell of a champion, he don't stand a chance. But the Finn Balor that beat me to become the first ever Universal Champion with his arm hanging off his body, he's got a shot. So here's my question to you. Are you gonna bring that Finn Balor to Money in the Bank? Or are you gonna bring the guy who's been walking around for the past seven years acting like a little bitch? So we have our match made. Seth going against Finn Balor at Money in the Bank. And I expect this to be a good one. I understand they've been having matches on Monday Night Raw from different aspects throughout their career since Finn has been back. And I just expect this one in England, uh, this being the best version of Seth Rollins that we've seen character-wise, and this version of Finn being the best version that we've seen of Finn basically character-wise too, because ever since he got to WWE, he hasn't had much of a character, but this one... He's become this angry, broody guy, and this time, he actually has a reason to be angry and uh, broody. So, I'm glad to see this version of Finn, and it's going to be a good match. But speaking of that, later in the night, you will see uh, Finn talking with J.D. McDonough, and they'll be stopped by Damian Priest. Priest will walk up, and J.D. would tell Finn, hey, I appreciate the words of encouragement and the advice. And he would say, but before I leave, you probably want to take your own advice on the other thing that we talked about. And JD will leave, and Priest tells Finn, you look like you're in a better mood since you're getting your championship opportunity, and he will congratulate uh, Finn on that. Finn will congratulate Priest on advancing to the money in the bank, and Priest will tell Finn, listen, Seth has been getting in your head for these past few weeks, making you go in mad different directions. I just want you to take care of business at money in the bank and make all this worth it, all right? And kind of dead this thing between me and you. So you can tell there's already some issues with the Judgment Day between Damian Priest and Finn. And with that just confrontation between Priest and Finn in that talk that they had, you know that J.D. McDonough is coming into this. McDonough saying that Finn probably needs to take his own advice and he probably needs to handle that own uh, situation, that other thing. You can tell that JD's probably going to pop in and probably help Finn get to that point that he needs to take out Priest because Priest is a good guy now. Priest is going to turn into a good guy, and that's where the vision is showing us. And it just shows that JD's going to be the one to help Finn take out Priest, and those two will be helping out leading uh, Judgment Day. So that's where I see this story going at Money in the Bank or even after Money in the Bank, to be completely honest with you. But they still have more weeks to uh, build the story up between all three of these men. Now, after this, we'll get to our next match. Raquel Rodriguez going against Shayna Baszler with Ronda Rousey in her corner. Shayna would win the match by pinfall thanks to Ronda Rousey. Interference. Raquel was looking for a powerbomb, but she would get distracted seeing Ronda Rousey on the ring apron. Raquel would walk over and grab Ronda, and this would allow Shayna to come behind her and get Raquel in a roll-up. Ronda would put her feet on Raquel and make sure that Raquel couldn't kick out of the pin. This would allow Shayna to win said matchup. Now, after this, we would have Eric with Ivar and Valhalla in his corner going against Chad Gable, who had Otis and Maxine Dupree in his corner. Chad Gable would win the match by pinfall by using a sunset flip to win the matchup. Now, the highlight of this match, if you could call it anything, is Maxine hitting an arm bar, well, an arm drag on Valhalla 
outside of the ring. They're trying to build up uh, Maxine to be a wrestler somewhere down the line because you see her backstage trying to perform an arm bar or arm drag back there, and she finally hits it on Valhalla here. So we have that. Again, they're building a Maxine to be a wrestler. Now, main event time for the Undisputed Tag Team Championships. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn defending against the Intercontinental Champion Gunther and Ludwig Kaiser. Sami and Kevin Owens would win the match by pinfall, thanks in part to Matt Riddle. Now, towards the end of the match, uh, Gunther would see Matt Riddle start coming down to the ring, and Riddle would try to be stopped by officials and referees. Riddles would uh, juke the refs and officials, but as soon as he got to Gunther, Gunther would big boot Riddle. Now, Kevin Owens would attack Gunther from behind, and this would drop Gunther on the floor. Kaiser would see this, but then he would switch his attention over to Sammy. He'll run over to Sammy. Sammy would uh, duck Ludwig Kaiser's uh, clothesline, but get him in a blue thunderbomb, and Sammy would hit it and cover Kaiser, and that's how Sammy and Kevin Owens would retain their unified tag team championships. So they're still the champions, and the rivalry or the build up of a matchup between Gunther and Matt Riddle at Money in the Bank for the Intercontinental Championship is still underway. They still haven't made no matches yet, but you know what's coming. You know Riddle versus Gunther is coming because that's what we're all leading to with this whole thing with Gunther and the rest of Imperium attacking uh, Riddle and running up on Riddle for the past couple weeks. So that's what we're aiming to towards, but they still have not made any matches official for that at Money in the Bank. So that's how Raw will end with Kevin Owens and Sammy holding up their unified tag team championships. Now with that, that's your Raw Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now we move over to NXT. And first thing to note, the next two weeks of NXT, they will be running a special. It's called NXT Gold Rush, which basically means championships will be defended on both episodes of NXT. So basically next week and the week after that. And we'll get more information on that as the... Uh, following episode of NXT would happen this week, and I'll get to that in a minute. First thing that will happen on NXT, though, however, is a six-man tag match. It is Schism going against Mustafa Ali, Tyler Bate, and Wes Lee. Now, Tyler Bate, Ali, and Lee would win the match by pinfall when Wes would hit Zach Gibson with a super kick, and Zach would bump into the ref. The ref would miss Wesley tagging in Tyler Bate. This will allow Schism to hit a big powerbomb on Wesley. And when Joe Gacy makes the cover, the referee will start making the count. But another referee would rush down into the ring and stop the ref's count. The second referee will inform the first ref that Tyler Bate is a legal participant, not Wesley. And as this was happening, Mustafa Ali would take out both Zach Gibson and James Drake out of the ring. Ali would hit a tornado DDT on James Drake out of the ring. And Wesley would hit a suicide dive on Zach Gibson. Now in the ring, Tyler Bate would hit a rebound clothesline on Joe Gacy, then finish him off with the Tyler Driver 97 for the win. Now, interesting note, after the match, you would see uh, Joe Gacy soaking in his loss, and you can see behind him, Zach and James Drake just looking at Gacy in a certain way, as in you could tell they're going to probably move away from Joe Gacy since he's never ever able to get the job done. Last week, you saw James Drake and uh, Zach Gibson get the win on their own 
And again, Joe Gacy couldn't get the job done. This week, he couldn't get the job done with those two on his side. So you can tell there's going to be some separation between the tag team and Joe Gacy and Ava Rain as it's going into the future. They didn't mention it, but you could just see it by the little subtle looks that you see the two guys staring at Joe Gacy. Now, later in the night, you would see Tyler Bate, Mustafa Ali, and Wesley in the back. Mustafa Ali would say that since schism has been taken care of, we know where this is leading up to. You two guys, and he points at Wes and Tyler, having a match for the North American Championship. And that will be made official. And Ali will say that he's going to make himself the special guest referee. So no shenanigans will be pulled off the way that shenanigans almost happened in this uh, six-man tag match. So that will be made official. So next week on the first episode of NXT Gold Rush, we will have Wesley going against Tyler Bate with Mustafa Ali as the special guest referee. Now, after this, we have Braun Breaker coming down to the ring. Braun will talk about what he did last week when he took out the Dragon off backstage and he called out Seth Rollins for a World Heavyweight Championship opportunity here in NXT. Braun will say that he is making everyone accountable for what they say. Braun would ask, where is Seth Rollins? But Ilya Dragunov would try to come down to the ring, but officials would uh, make sure that he couldn't come to the ring as Ilya is all bandaged up and he's just not capable to go after Braun Breaker at this moment. So they'll take him to the back. And speaking of Seth, Seth would appear on the screen. Seth would say that he was once in Braun's position trying to make noise, trying to get heard. So Seth would tell Braun that, you know what? You got your wish. Next week on NXT, Seth Rollins will be down there to face Braun Breaker for the World Heavyweight Championship on Episode 1 of NXT Gold Rush. Now, next week's going to be a busy episode, or busy week, per se, for Seth Rollins, because next week on Monday Night Raw, he has an open challenge for anyone to face him for the World Heavyweight Championship. And now, with it already being confirmed that he's going against Braun Breaker for the NXT Championship, so you know he's going to retain the title at Raw next week. So, I just want to know who he's going to go against, and how good the match is going to be before he goes against Braun next week. That's all I care about. But we do have Braun versus Seth for the World Heavyweight Championship next week on NXT. Now, after this, we have Thea Hale with Duke Hudson going against Cora Jade. Thea Hale would win her match by submission thanks to Dana Brooke. When Cora and Thea were outside of the ring and Thea was down on the ground, Cora would get her kendo stick and try to use it, but the referee would grab it and take it away from her. The ref would miss seeing Dana Brooke appear and throw Cora into the steps. Dana does this as retaliation for Cora slapping her across the face earlier in the night. Uh, Dana would tell Thea to go after Cora. That's exactly what Thea would do. Thea would get up, grab Cora, throw her into the ring, lock in the Kimura lock, making Cora J tap out. So Thea Hill gets a win here, and it will be confirmed that in two weeks' time on NXT, Tiffany Stratton will be defending her NXT Women's Championship against Thea Hale. So that's happening. And also next week on NXT's Gold Rush, we will have Dana Brooke going against Cora Jade. Now, after this, we will have our Heritage Cup match. Um, Noam Dar was supposed to be defending the cup, but he comes out in crutches. But Noam is still wearing his ring gear. Noam will say that Nathan Frazier attacked him in the parking lot since Nathan couldn't beat him. But have no fear, Noam Dar will put Oro Mensa in his place to defend the Heritage Cup against Nathan Frazier. So we have Oro Mensa with Metaphor, which consists of Noam Dar, Jakari Jackson, and Last Legend in his corner, going against Nathan Frazier, who had Dragon Lee in his corner for the Heritage Cup. 
Nathan would win the first fall with a quick roll-up in the first round. Oral Mensa will win the second fall with a cartwheel kick in the second round. Thanks to Jakari Jackson and Lash Legend, they would play interference. Jakari would uh, distract the referee as you would see Lash Legend hold Nathan Frazier in place so Oral could hit the cartwheel uh, kick. And Nathan Frazier, he would get the third and final fall by pinfall in the fourth round. Thanks to Valentina Forez and Yaseline Leon coming down to the ring to take care of Jakari Jackson and Lash Legend. Because they were trying to pull the same trick that they did for the second round. But the ladies, uh, Leon and Forez, would come down to take care of them. Aura would then miss the cartwheel kick. And this allowed Nathan Frazier to hit the Phoenix Splash to win the third fall and win the Heritage Cup. Now, after this, we'll have our two-on-one handicap match of Davocado going against Axiom and Scripps. Scripps and Axiom would win the match by pinfall when Scripps would hit a high moonsault on Kato. Then Axiom would hit the golden ratio to finish Kato off to win the match for their team. After the match, Los Lotharios was consist of Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo would attack Axiom and Scripps from behind. It's been a minute since we saw Los Lotharios on any brand, so I'm glad they're here. And you know what? This draft has really brought something different because for years we have seen mad times. NXT uh, wrestlers get called up to the main roster. They do nothing. They straggle. They have nothing to do. Same thing with main roster uh, wrestlers. There's a lot of them that are on the main roster doing nothing, just straggling. And the big uh, thing would be they're just backstage eating, catering, and collecting a paycheck and a lot of the wrestlers would be upset that they're just backstage. Now with this draft that happened and with the quote-unquote free agency, you have wrestlers be able to just literally go from whatever roster they want to go to on any given time. NXT, you had Braun uh, calling out Seth. Seth is the world champion. All the other times, you wouldn't have a NXT wrestler calling out the main roster like champion. You have Baron Corbin, who's doing nothing, but he's coming down to NXT to at least work in the ring, but also to help out establish uh, talent down there in NXT. You have now the Los Lotharios coming down here. You have Dana Brooke coming down here. I mean, you have a lot of talent from the main roster coming down here to do what they want to do in NXT, especially Mustafa Ali, who looks like he's happy to be in NXT. Not saying all the other people aren't, but it just looks like Mustafa Ali is going to get a fair shake in NXT that he wouldn't get on the main roster. So, I like that this draft happened. I like that they got this whole thing called free agency. And hopefully going into the future, this style of draft will continue to happen. And I don't care what a lot of people say online. I don't. This whole draft thing that they did this year, it was brilliant. Now, getting off of that, back to the show. Next matchup will be Malik Blade going against Idris Anafe. Malik would win the match by pinfall when both men would hit a superplex. And Blade will lock in a small package pin on Idris to get the win. Now, after the match, you will see the teams of Briggs and Jensen and Tank Ledger and Hank Walker coming down to the ring. And all three teams will hug it out because this is a happy moment. Idris and Malik, they just went through something that both of these teams had to go through competing against one another so they can bond more frequently as a tag team. So now that they've got this moment out the way. Now you expect this team to bond and become closer than ever. Uh, so it's happening with all three teams in the ring. Booker T will get a mic. 
and he would tell the info that he just received and he would announce that next week there is going to be a triple threat number one contenders tag team matchup and it will participate with all three of these teams in the ring and that the winning team will go against Gallus the following week. So next week on NXT, we're going to have Briggs and Jensen going against Hank and Tank going against Idris and Blade. The winning team will then go off to the second episode of the NXT Gold Rush uh, special, and they will go against Gallus for the NXT Tag Team Championships. Now, after this, we have Roxanne Perez going against Tatum Paxley. Roxanne would win the match by using Pop Rocks. After the match, Roxanne will get a mic and put Blair Davenport on notice for Blair putting a hole in the women's division by taking women out in the parking lot for months and upon months. Roxanne would say that she's going after Blair. Blair is no longer the hunter. She's not the hunted. So we now have that feud between Blair Davenport and Roxanne Perez on the way. Then we go to our main event, Baron Corbin going against Ilya Dragunov, where the winner will be facing Carmelo Hayes for the NXT World Championship on the second night of NXT Gold Rush. Baron would win the match by pitfall thanks in part to Braun Breaker interfering. When Ilya Dragunov was going for his torpedo headbutt, Braun Breaker would rush into the ring. Ilya would hit Braun with a torpedo headbutt. This would then allow Baron to quickly grab Ilya and hit him with end of days to win the match up here. Now, after the match, Braun and Ilya will be battling to the back and Baron will be watching this. And then when he turned around, Mello would be in the ring. Mello would attack Baron Corbin, hit him with a super kick. This would drop Corbin. Mello would then go to the top turnbuckle and then hit nothing but net to lay out Baron Corbin. Mello would then put his foot on Corbin's chest, hold up his NXT championship. And that's how NXT will go off with Mello laying out Baron Corbin. Now, this was a good imagery to see because this gives us more hype to see Baron going against Melo at uh, the second episode of NXT Gold Rush in two weeks. And it just gives more intrigue because now you have to wonder if Melo is going to retain the championship against Baron or is Baron going to beat Melo to win the NXT championship because it's not the first time that a main roster star came down to NXT to win a title. I mean, last year, Dolph Ziggler did it. So I can expect Baron to do it just so they can get Baron as NXT champion, so they can further mellow trying to basically climb another mountain to win back the NXT championship. I don't know if they want to do that. I will say they probably should keep the title on mellow and just have him and Corbin just have a good match, to be completely honest with you. But we'll see in the next two weeks. But with that being said, that was your NXT Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Then we move over to AEW Dynamite, where I must say this Dynamite episode was completely chaotic and amazing all from beginning to end. And this Dynamite episode would start by having the AEW World Champion MGF going against Adam Cole. Now, they will put on an incredible 30-minute match from bell to bell, and it would end literally in a time limit draw. Because in the closing moments of the match, you would see MJF grab the referee so the ref couldn't see MJF back kick Adam Cole in the nuts. When Adam then dropped to the mat, the ref would check on Adam. MJF would grab the dynamite diamond ring out of his trunks and then put it on his pinky. Looking to hit Adam with it, the ref would quickly grab MJF's hand. MJF would argue with the ref and in that split second, Adam Cole would get up, hit MJF with a super kick. Then the Panama saw rise then finally hit the boom. 
Now, as Adam was covering MJF, the ref was about to make the three count, and as soon as he's about to slap his hand on the mat for the three, the bell would ring. Now, everyone in attendance would get the oh, because we all knew what that meant. The bell and the match ran its course. It literally got to a draw. It ran its limit. So Adam would get the mic, and he would say that he wants five more minutes. And everybody's chanting for five more minutes. You will see MGF and Adam Cole get face-to-face. And you will see MGF just slide out of the ring with his AEW World Championship and walk directly to the back. And this is where we leave it here between these two. Now, I suggest we're probably going to get a match between these two further down the line because later in the night, you will see Tanahashi pop up on the screen. Tanahashi would talk about how last year after Bendor, he came so close to winning the AEW World Championship. So he wants to try it again, and he wants to have a match with MJF. MJF will be in the back in the trainer's room. Rene Paquette will tell MJF that by Tony Khan, Tony has made it official that MJF will be facing Tanahashi at Forbidden Door. MJF says, nah, I'm not doing that. This isn't the first time somebody's booked me to be somewhere and I no-showed, so I'm not going to do it. But the match is still made official. We'll just have to wait and see in the next week. Because literally, they got one more episode of Dynamite to show up until, what, Forbidden Door next week. So we'll have to wait and see if MGF is going to actually have the match with Tanahashi or not. But as it stands, Tanahashi versus MGF is on the card. Now, after this, we would get Sammy Guevara coming down to the ring. And this is the first time Sammy has been back in AEW since Double or Nothing. He's been with his uh, pregnant wife, Ty Mello. They put out a YouTube video announcing the gender reveal. Uh, what the baby they're going to be having, what's the gender, and it's going to be a girl. So Sammy's out here, he would talk about how he's going to become a dad, and he came so close to winning the world championship at Double or Nothing, and he would say that the mission still stays the same, he plans on becoming the world champion, but this time have his wife and his daughter by his side when he does it. Then Darby Allen would come out, Darby Allen would congratulate Sammy for the pregnancy, but Darby would ask Sammy, is he still going to be with the Jericho Appreciation Society because the fans are riding with Sammy once again. And this will lead to Chris Jericho coming out. Chris will come out and tell Darby to mind his business. And then Chris will talk to Sammy. Chris will ask Sammy, why didn't Sammy talk to him for three months as Sammy was chasing after MGF for the AEW World Championship? Because if he did, Sammy would be standing here as your AEW World Champion. Sammy would then flip it on Chris and ask Chris, you know what, I was thinking the exact same thing. Why didn't you call me or talk to me while you were handling your business with Adam Cole? Maybe if you did, you wouldn't have lost to Adam Cole twice. Now there's some heated tension between the two, and Chris would have a power trip and tell Sammy that he might need a quick reminder of who his boss is and suggest a tag match next week with both of them teaming up together so Chris can assert his dominance. You would then see Darby Allen interrupt and Darby will say that Chris Jericho doesn't have it anymore in the ring. Chris would tell Darby that he could find that out right now with him and Sammy both beating up on Darby in a two-on-one beatdown. Darby will tell Chris that he technically isn't by himself. So that's when Sting will come out. Sting will come down to the ring. Now we have this stare down between uh, Chris Jericho and Sting. And it's a moment because Chris Jericho and Sting never had a match ever in their time in WCW. And throughout Sting's time now in AEW, they never had a match together. So now we could possibly be seeing Chris Jericho 
versus staying somewhere down the line here. But once this moment surpasses, Chris Jericho leaves the ring. He tells Sammy to follow him. Sammy just stands there for a moment, but he does leave the ring. But that's just the end of that for right now. Now, we go on to our eight-man tag match that happens literally after this. is the Mogul Embassy going against Sting, Darby Allin, Orange Cassidy, and Keith Lee. Sting, Darby, Orange, and Keith would win the match by pinfall when Brian Cage would have Sting on his shoulders. Orange Cassidy would then come in, hit Brian with an orange punch. This would allow Sting to then hit Brian Cage with the Scorpion Death Drop and then cover Brian to win the matchup here. This was a fun, chaotic eight-man tag matchup here. I mean, you gave Mogul Embassy Swerve, uh, the Gates of Agony, and Brian Cage a lot of time in this matchup here to just assert their dominance over Sting, Darby, Orange, and Keith. And there'll be moments where uh, the good guys will beat up on the bad guys, but this was really a showcasing moment for the Mogul Embassy, especially one moment in the match where you will see Brian uh, and the Gates of Agony hold up Keith Lee on Brian's shoulder in a powerbomb position, and Swerve would hit a Swerve Stomp on Keith Lee all in one movement. And that was a sweet look when you saw it all come together. And also, there was a nice little homage here when uh, Brian Cage is dressed up like old Stinger, like Surfer Sting here. So I like that. But I would suggest go check out this eight-man tag matchup, as well as the rest of uh, AEW Dynamite here as I go through the rest. Um, after this, we have the TNT Championship matchup between Warlow and Jake Hager. Warlow will win the match to retain his TNT Championship by pinfall by hitting two power bombs for the win. This was a Hoss match between Warlow and Jake Hager. Again, solid. You know what you're getting yourself into with a Warlow and Jake Hager match. If you don't, just know it's a lot of slams and uh, punches. So if you're into that, this is the match you want to see. Now, after the match, Christian Cage and Luchasaurus would appear on the screen. Christian will remind Warlow of the challenge that he threw out to Luchasaurus, and Christian will tell Warlow that Luchasaurus would accept, and he will be facing Warlow on AEW Collision for the TNT Championship. Christian would then tell Warlow that Arn Anderson wouldn't be there to back up Warlow in his match against Luchasaurus and show Warlow why, because Arn Anderson would be busted open and Warlow would just run out of the ring to the back, and that's the end of that. So we have to wait tonight on AEW Collision to see what's going to happen between Warlow and Luchasaurus and Christian Cage. Now, after this, we get the AEW Women's Championship matchup between Sky Blue and the champion Tony Storm, who will have Ruby Soho in her corner. Tony would win the match by submission, when Tony will lock in the Texas Cloverleaf on Sky and make Sky tap out. Solid match here. Sky Blue, she was able to showcase the growth that she's uh, had since her time in AEW. Again, for people that watch Sky Blue, she came in not knowing who she was, at least for me, and now seeing her over the course from her time on Dark to Rampage, now on Dynamite getting the shot against Tony Storm. She's really uh, improved herself, and the fans were really into Sky Blue. At one point, there was a moment where Sky looked like she was going to win the match, where uh, Ruby Soho handed Tony a spray paint can, and Ruby got on the ring apron, Distracted the referee, Tony was going to spray paint Sky, but Sky pulled out her own spray paint can and started to spray Tony in the face. Once she did this, she would then hit cold blue on Tony, and she was waiting for the referee to make the count. The referee was still being bothered with Ruby, but the fans would make the count, and if the referee would have made the count, 
Sky would have won the match, but that didn't happen. So we have Tony still as champion. Sky, this will be her really coming out match for everyone to see how far she has progressed. Now, after the match, you will see Tony Storm and Ruby Soho attack Sky Blue until Willow Nightingale will come down to the ring to make the save. Then Tony and Ruby will leave the ring. Then it would be announced on AEW Collision. Sky Blue and Willow Nightingale will be facing Tony Storm and Ruby Soho. As well as on Collision, we will see Miro being in action and House of Black's own Buddy Matthews going against Andrade El Idolo. Now, Another thing that I forgot to mention, the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Sonata, he would appear in a video package, and the gist of it was that Sonata was issuing an open challenge at Forbidden Door, and in the night, you will see Jungle Boy accept that challenge, so Jungle Boy will be going against Sonata at Forbidden Door, and Jungle Boy asks Hook to be in his corner for the match, and Hook would just give... Uh, Jungle Boy a fist bump so Hook's gonna be in the corner of Jungle Boy and I just have a feeling that Hook is probably gonna do something to Jungle Boy that could probably cost Jungle Boy the match or we could see the dissension of Jungle Hook as quick as it formed because in this uh, promo that Jungle Boy had with Hook standing beside him he called Hook his best friend and he said that he feels uh, naked being next to Hook without a championship. And all that just promo that you just see with Hook standing beside Jungle Boy. And it just doesn't, something just doesn't click. How can you call someone your best friend after you and this guy just really just started teaming up on rare occasions? But he's somehow your best friend. I don't understand it. Again, this all could just be storyline, situation. I'll just have to wait and see. But my thing is, I think Hook is going to turn on Jungle Boy some way, somehow, if I'm going to be completely honest. But again, I could be completely wrong. But we'll have to wait and see on that. Also, there'll be a backstage moment with Orange Cassidy being interviewed by Renee Paquette. And you will see Daniel Garcia walk up on him. You will see uh, Zack Sabre Jr. walk up on Orange Cassidy. Both men want a shot at... Orange Cassidy's Mid-Atlantic Championship. Oh, I'm sorry, the AEW International Championship. And Daniel Garcia would tell Orange that he wants to be a double champion. And he asked Orange where Shibata at. Shibata is the Ring of Honor Pure Championship. That's the belt that Daniel Garcia wants to have as well. Orange Cassidy would tell Daniel Garcia that Shibata isn't here this week. He'll be here next week. So how about you two, Daniel Garcia and Zack Sabre Jr. team up together while... I team up with Shibata, and we'll have a tag match next week. So that match seems to be made official. Now, off to the main event. It is a trios matchup of Blackpool Combat Club's own John Moxley, Claudio Castagnoli, and Willie Yuta going against the Young Bucks and Hangman Page. The Bucks and Hangman would win the match by pinfall by hitting a string of moves on Willie Yuta, which would include a powerbomb, then the BTE trigger, then finally the Buckshot Lariat for the win. Now, after the match, the Blackpool Combat Club would attack the Bucks and Hangman until Eddie Kingston would run down to the ring. And this was a shock to everyone. A nice, pleasant shock because everybody loves Kingston. So Kingston comes down there. He starts beating up on Claudio. Those two have a storied rivalry with each other. Uh, Willie Yuta would come in. Uh, Kingston would hit Yuta with a spinning back fist and knock Yuta out. 
He would uh, beat up on Claudia some more, and then Claudia would roll out of the ring. Then you see John Moxley get in. John Moxley standing behind Kingston. Kingston turns around. Now you see these two staring off of one another. These two have a close friendship of Kingston and Mox, and you just see those two staring at one another, and the Bucks will come in. They'll start beating up on Mox. Kingston will pull the Bucks off of uh, Mox until the Bucks, he's enough. That's enough. He's already beat down. That's enough. Then you see Mox get up. He attacks both of the Bucks, and then he pushes Kingston. Mox is still full of piss and vinegar. Now you see Kingston and Mox get nose to nose with each other. The Bucks grab Mox and beat up on him some more. Then you see Kingston immediately be the friend to Mox and push the Bucks off of him. Then you see Kenosuke Takeshita run down to the ring. Takeshita would attack Kingston from behind. Now you have Takeshita beating up on Kingston until Kingston rolls out of the ring. Now Takeshita is standing in the ring by himself. Then you see Kenny Omega come down. Kenny Omega will get in the ring, beat up on Takeshita. The Bucks will come in, hit Takeshita with a double super kick. You will see... Uh, Kenny hit Takeshita with a Snapdragon suplex, and then Takeshita would roll out of the ring. Now you would see Kenny about to do the Terminator pose, and he runs off the ropes, and then Will Ospreay will pop in, and Will Ospreay just super kicks Kenny Omega. Now Kenny's down on the mat. He's trying to collect himself. Will Ospreay will look at Kenny, and he will mouth something to him, and then he will hit Kenny with a hidden blade. Then he will stand over Kenny's prone body. He will lift Kenny up, then hit the Stormbreaker on Kenny Omega. And before AEW Dynamite will go off, you will see Will Ospreay hit Kenny Omega again with another hidden blade to lay Kenny Omega out. Now, this is all in preparations for their matchup at Forbidden Door for the IWGP United States Championship. This is their rematch from the match they had earlier in the year at uh, Wrestle Kingdom. So... This is all about getting people ramped up and ready to get themselves to order the pay-per-view next week for Forbidden Door. And we still have a lot to cover because AEW Collision is tonight. And I have some feelings that there's probably going to be more details on Forbidden Door on Collision, but we'll have to wait and see with that. But again, Dynamite, it was chaotic. I would suggest you go try to find it somewhere, anywhere you can, especially uh, Cole versus MGF, go watch that. There was a lot of hidden gems in that where MGF would kind of taunt Cole by mocking in, uh, got Shawn Michaels with Shawn Michaels poses. He will hit, uh, Adam Cole with an elbow drop through a table outside of the ring. The same way that he did Brian Danielson in his match with Brian at AEW Revolution. And it just seems something to me that MJF will only drop elbow drops on Shawn Michaels guys. And what I mean by that, guys that Shawn Michaels actually will prop up. Shawn Michaels helped train Brian Danielson and, and Brian Danielson's lore. That's always will be the case. So Brian is a Shawn Michaels guy. And when Adam Cole went to WWE and NXT, he was a Shawn Michaels guy. So it seems that anything that has anything to do with Shawn Michaels or Shawn Michaels alike, he would taunt those uh, Shawn Michaels guys that being MJF, he was going to taunt them when the time comes. But again, go watch that match and you will see what I'm talking about. But go and try to find it. Now, with that, that is your AEW Dynamite Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now, moving over to Impact Wrestling. Impact Wrestling did have a pay-per-view last Friday. I'm here to give you the results from that pay-per-view against all odds. 
Frankie Kazarian would defeat Eddie Edwards by pinfall. Ace and Bay would retain their tag team championships against the Good Hands. Masha Slamovich, she defeated Killer Kelly in a dog collar matchup. Chris Saban is your new X Division champion when he defeated Trey Miguel. So Chris Saban is now a nine-time X Division champion. Nick Aldis is your new number one contender for the Impact World Championship when he would defeat Bully Ray, Heath, John Gresham, Mike Bailey, Moose, and PCO, and Rich Swan in an 8-4-1 matchup. Deanna Perrazzo and Trinity did defeat Giselle Shaw and Savannah Evans in an Ohio street fight, Ohio vs. Everything, which consists of Sammy Callahan, Jake Chris, and Madman Fulton. They defeated The Design, Diener, Angels, and Khan. And in the main event for the Impact World Championship, Alex Shelley, he is now your new Impact World Champion when he defeated Steve Macklin to win the title. So at the end, against all odds, you will see the Motor City Machine Guns uh, hugging one another and they will raise up their respective championships. So it was a feel-good moment here. Now moving into the Impact episode that happened Thursday, the Motor City Machine Guns will come out to the ring to celebrate their big wins at Against All Odds. Alex Shelley would say that for years he has mentored guys to become champions, and he will list off some guys, uh, Okada, Kushida, Trey Miguel, Jay White, and Seth Rollins. Alex would say that he had to make the decision for himself to become a world champion, so that's what he did, and he proved to everyone that watched him from growing up from being a young kid in the back to being a grown-ass man that he could be a world champion, so he would thank everyone in Impact, thank everyone in the wrestling business, and just have that gratitude for everyone. So then you have the Motor City Machine Guns holding up their championships. Then Nick Aldis will come out and tell Alex that he didn't want to ruin his moment at Against All Odds and take the spotlight away from him. Nick would say that he congratulates Alex for not only winning the world championship, but for helping Nick come up in this company when he left England to come to America in his young wrestling journey years ago. Nick would tell Alex that he's also on that list of people that Alex helped mentor into champions, but he would say that Alex, even though he respects him, at anniversary he plans on taking that world championship away from him. Then we would get Trey Miguel coming out. Trey Miguel would claim that Nick Aldis and the Machine Guns are trying to stake claim for being on top of the Mount Rushmore of Impact, and they forget about him. He should be on that uh, Mount Rushmore because he calls himself a generational talent, and if not the greatest X Division champion. Then you'll see Kenny King and Sheldon Jean come out, and they will say that Nick Aldis and the Machine Guns are Impact Wrestling's front office chosen guys and have been favored. Chris Saban would tell Trey Miguel, Kenny, and Sheldon to come to the ring, and then we could find this all out. You will see Trey, Kenny, and Sheldon coming down to the ring, but then all of a sudden, Giselle Shaw and her little entourage will come to the ring. Giselle will say that Kenny King is right. The spotlight should be on her, but ever since Trinity came to Impact, they rolled the red carpet out for her, just like they did for Nick Aldis and the Motor City Machine Guns. Now, speaking of Trinity, Trinity will come out and say that she's ready to knock Giselle down once again. Deanna Perrazzo would then come to the ring and say that she would join Trinity on this. Then finally, the matchmaker himself, Santino Morella, would come out and announce the main event of Impact, a 10-man tag. The Motor City Machine Guns teaming up with Nick Aldis, Trinity, and Deanna Perrazzo going against a team of Kenny King, Sheldon Jean, Trey Miguel, Giselle Shaw, and Savannah Evans. So we have that match being made in the main event. 
Now, we're off to our first match of the night. Moose going against Rich Swan. Rich would win the match by pinfall by reversing a spear into a roll-up pin, which Rich would adjust his weight more so Moose couldn't kick out. So that's how Rich would retain. Well, not retain. He would win the match. A uh, solid match. They gave these guys a lot of time to work. And Rich winning this match just proves that Rich Swan is on the upwards as Moose is starting to go on the downwards. And you will see this later because in the back, Moose will be walking backstage upset. Brian Myers would then walk up to Moose. Brian will start poking at Moose for losing against Rich Swan and at against all odds. Moose would tell Brian that it isn't a good time to mess with him and he isn't in a good mood, so he needs to move out of his way. Brian would tell Moose that, hey, he's also has some losses with the good hands under Brian's uh, learning tree, failing to capture the tag titles at against all odds. Brian would tell Moose that he knows one team that could take the titles away from Ace and Bay, and that's him and Moose. So Brian will leave, and that will give Moose something just to think about. Now, after this, we have Bully Ray coming down to the ring to speak. Bully's out here because Bully has filed a injunction with Impact Management, thanks to Scott Demore, costing Bully his chance to be the number one contender at Against All Odds when Scott Demore would run out to the ring and hit Bully in the back with a steel chair. So Bully's out here, he's talking all seldom and says that he's a victim of atrocious management. Bully would say that he was on his way to winning his match at Against All Odds, but Scott Demore cost him that. Bully would say that he wrote a letter to management and he hasn't got any answers. Bully would say that he is suffering from a mental illness and his mental health is declining and he wants answers from Impact. All this is thanks to Scott. Scott will come to the ring and Scott will say that he never thought Bully would be out here whining like a stooge. Scott would tell Bully that he did have to stand in front of his bosses and he had to listen to them read Bully's letter. And Scott would admit that at against all odds, he overstepped his boundaries. Now you would see Bully start smiling like a Cheshire cat and start tormenting Scott by asking him to repeat that again. Scott would get irritated by this. And Bully would say, only thing you have to do is say that you were wrong. So now Scott's getting more and more upset. Scott would say that his bosses did advise him that he might have to step down from his position. Now Bully's really gleaming. Bully has Scott where he wants him. So Bully tells Scott that he needs to put his mic down, get out of the ring, and not let the door hit him in the butt on the way out. Scott would then tackle Bully to the mat, and now you think Scott got the advantage on Bully, but Steve Macklin would come down to the ring, because Scott and Steve Macklin have been having some beef for the past couple months. So now Macklin and Bully are doubling up on Scott Demore. Macklin will get chairs, Bully will start choking Scott Demore out with the chair, and once Bully has the chair on Scott's neck, you see Macklin about to hit um, Demore with his chair, but then the lights will go out. And once they pop back on, PCO would be standing in the ring. Now, Bully and Macklin would hit PCO with the chairs, but Macklin and Bully would not put PCO down. PCO and Scott Demore would take out both Bully and Macklin, making them retreat. But before they would leave up the ramp, Scott would let Macklin and Bully know that before he stepped down from his position in Impact, he did make a match at Slammiversary. It will be Steve Macklin and Bully Ray going against PCO. And Scott Demore. So we have that match locked and loaded for Slammiversary. Now off to our next match up here. Decay going against Ace and Bay. 
Ace and Bay would win the match by pinfall by hitting one, two, sweet, which is the art of finesse and the fold on Crazy Steve, and that's how Ace and Bay would win the match up here. Now, after the match, Ace and Bay will be stopped by Motor City Machine Guns backstage. Machine Guns would give them props for holding up the tag division, and Ace and Bay would give the Machine Guns props for winning the championships at against all odds. So, two teams that were once rivals, they're now giving healthy respect towards one another. It was a great thing to see, so we have that here. Then we're off to the main event. 10-person tag, Giselle Shaw, Savannah Evans, Sheldon Jean, Kenny King, and Trey McGill going against the Impact Knockouts champion, Deanna Perrazzo, Trinity, Nick Aldis, and Impact X Division and World Champion, the Motor City Machine Guns, Chris Saban, and Alex Shelley. Now, after a chaotic main event, the team of the Motor City Machine Guns, Deanna Perrazzo, Trinity, and Nick Aldis would win the match when Nick Aldis Alex Shelley, Sheldon Jean, and Kenny King with the last four men in the ring. You will see Nick Aldis hit Kenny King with a Mishinoku driver. Uh, Alex Shelley will hit Sheldon Jean with a super kick. Then Shell Shock, or people might know it as the Blade Runner or Sister Abigail, whatever you want to call it. He will hit him with a spinning STO, then cover Sheldon Jean to win the match. Solid 10-person tag match up here. A lot of chaos, which is going to be when it's 10 people in a match. But... Good type of chaos. Now, after the match, Alex Shelley, he'll be waiting for his championship for the ref to give it to him, but he will see Nick Aldis holding it. Nick would bend the knee, and he would act like he's going to give the title to Alex Shelley, but he would just sucker him in so he could hit Alex Shelley with the title. Now, when he lays Alex Shelley out with the world championship, he would tell Alex never to disrespect him again. You will see Chris Saban come in the ring and run off Nick Aldis. So we have our match set at Slammiversary, and now we have the stakes being more risen. Uh, Nick Aldis is now a bad guy going against Alex Shelley, and I'm cool with this because this adds more into details for something probably nefarious to come out at Slammiversary because we haven't seen Mickey James since mm, a couple a couple months from now. So I can see Mickey James probably coming out when the time comes when. Uh, Alex Shelley goes against Nick Aldis at Slammiversary and Mickey James probably costing Alex Shelley the world championship and having Nick Aldis win the title that way if they want to go that route. But Nick Aldis being the bad guy here, not a bad look because Nick Aldis, in my eyes, from his work, he's always worked better as a bad guy here. So him going against Alex Shelley, the guy that's finally won the world title after so many years building up champions, going against a guy that he helped build up but now just decides to be the guy to turn on him. I like it. I truly do. So we'll have to wait and see what happens at Slammiversary, but we still got weeks for that. Matter of fact, a month for that. So we'll wait and see how the story develops more. Now with that, that's your Impact Wrestling, Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now we move over to SmackDown. SmackDown will start off with a tag team gauntlet where the winners of the gauntlet will become the number one contenders for the Unified Tag Team Championships. The Brawling Brutes will start off first. They will go against the Street Profits. They will eliminate them. Then the Good Brothers will up next, and the Good Brothers will be eliminated. Then the LWO. LWO will be eliminated. Then Hit Row. Hit Row will be eliminated. Now the last team to enter this gauntlet will be Pretty Deadly. And Pretty Deadly would be the team to end the streak of the Brawling Brutes and win the gauntlet. So in two weeks, Pretty Deadly will be facing off against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, for the tag team championships. Now, we will go backstage. You will see Roman Reigns sitting in his 
office with Solo and Paul Heyman. Roman, Paul, and Solo, they're all waiting for Jay's answer because tonight's supposed to be the uh, answer of whether Jay's staying with the bloodline or is he's going about his own way. And Roman asks Paul, has he talked to Jay anytime? Paul would tell Roman that he hasn't talked to Jay since last week, and Roman would tell Paul that he needs to talk to him. So Paul goes to find Jay and try to talk with him once again to see whether he is staying with the bloodline or is he leaving, and Jay's answer is still the same. He tells Paul, if I'm staying, you're leaving. So then we go to Paul going back to Roman, and he just shakes his head towards Roman. Roman will look down, and he's in disbelief. Paul will go over to Roman again and tap him and give him another shake. And it's now like a shake of, you know what you have to do. And Roman looks up at Paul. Solo starts coming towards Paul. Paul becomes afraid and he just leaves out. Solo will ask Roman, do you need me to handle this? And Roman will say, nah, we still got time. So they are giving Jay until the end of the night to give up his answer. Now, after this, we would get Selena Vega going against Io Sky with Bailey in her corner. Selena would win the match by pinfall, thanks in part to Bailey. Bailey would get on the apron and distract the referee when Selena was in control of the match. Selena would argue with Bailey. Io would grab Selena, and Selena would throw Io towards Bailey. Now, Io would stop before colliding with Bailey. This would allow Selena to get a roll-up, but Io would counter it into her own roll-up on Selena. The ref would not be paying attention because the ref would be arguing with Bailey at this time. But when the referee does get back to the pin, he only would get a one count. Now, Io will look at Bailey and start arguing with her because, in essence, Bailey costs Io that matchup. And Selena would take the moment to hit Io with a 619, then cover Io to win the match. Now, after this, we go backstage. Bailey is talking with Io again, trying to plead her case for just trying to help. And Shotzi would appear to Bailey and say that you pulled the same move last week on me. And if you didn't do that, I will be in the Money in the Bank matchup instead of Io. Bailey would take offense to that. So Shotzi would say, if you feel so confident, how about you face me next week and you put up your Money in the Bank uh, opportunity on the line? Bailey would hesitate, but Io would accept on Bailey's behalf. So we have that match set for next week. Shotzi versus Bailey. And if Bailey wins, she's still in the money in the bank. But if Shotzi wins, Shotzi takes Bailey's spot. Now, after this, we get the Grayson Waller effect with special guest Charlotte Flair. Grayson would talk to Charlotte about her upcoming match with Asuka in two weeks for the Women's Championship. He would ask Asuka, does she plan on becoming a 15-time champion since... Asuka and Charlotte have been battling. Charlotte has uh, Asuka's number. Charlotte would say that she plans on becoming champion. That's when Bianca Belair will come down to the ring. Bianca would ask, what is going on around here? She was supposed to get a rematch, but she hasn't gotten it. Unlike Charlotte, who just pops up and gets a match. Now, Charlotte would tell Bianca that she didn't change the rules. She didn't politic to get the match. But she did take some initiative and just came out and just called her shot. That's when we get a war of words between Bianca and Charlotte. Bianca will let it be known that she is tired of waiting around and that she's going to start doing things her way. Bianca will be at ringside when Charlotte will go against Asuka in their match. And no matter who wins, she's going to get in the ring and call her shot. So I'll say it again. 
more than likely in two weeks when Charlotte goes against Asuka, you're going to have Bianca Belair probably interfere in some way and it'll be turning into a triple threat match more than likely at Money in the Bank for the Women's Championship. That's just my guessing on it. Now, after this, we'll have a mixed tag team matchup of Mia Yim and AJ Styles going against Scarlett and Karrion Cross. Cross and Scarlett would win the match by pinfall when Cross would hit a spinning forward slam, kind of like a reverse uh, Royal Flush. If you watch Impact Wrestling with Kenny King, and Kenny King's uh, finisher is called a Royal Flush when he puts you on his shoulders and uh, spins you around and kind of hits you with a Uranagi. You would see Karrion Cross kind of do it differently, but only with a one arm instead of like putting you on his shoulders. But again, you just got to see it. So it just looks, it looks crazy. But Karrion Cross wins the match that way for his team. Now, after this, we have Rey Mysterio coming down to the ring and say that he has accomplished a lot of things and faced a lot of the greats. Ray will say that he had the privilege of bringing back the LWO. And he will say that he knows one man that could win the money in the bank and introduces Santos Escobar. Santos would thank Ray for believing in him, and he wants to inspire his community the way that Ray did for him. Santos plans on winning the Money in the Bank, not just for him, but for his community and the WWE Universe. Then LA Knight will come down to the ring. Knight will push Ray. Now you get a brawl between Knight and Santos, and then we get into their matchup. Uh, Santos would win their match by pinfall by reversing a pin that Knight had his hands on the rope when he was pinning Santos. Santos would reverse it, get uh, LA Knight into his own pinning maneuver, and just hold on to uh, Knight's legs so Knight couldn't kick out. So that's how Santos wins the match. Now, after the match, LA Knight would attack Santos from behind and start pummeling him until Rey Mysterio would run down to the ring, make the save. Knight would then leave the ring to the back. Now it's time for the main event. Well, main event segment. Uh, Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman, Solosokoa comes down to the ring. It's time for Jay Uso's answer. And before Jay would come out, you would see Jay like walk past Sammy and he makes Kai contact with Sami Zayn. And they don't say nothing. You just see Sammy walk one way. Jay walks his way as Jay walks towards the ring. Now when Jay gets in the ring, you see Jay pacing back and forth. And you can kind of tell he's conflicted on what he's going to say here. Roman will ask Jay, is he in or he out? Jay will tell Roman that it's still the exact same answer. Is either Paul Heyman's in this or I'm in this? Roman's decision. Roman will tell Jay that he's the tribal chief. He can choose who he wants as his wise man. And once Jay becomes tribal chief, he can choose who he wants as his wise man. But that's until that time. Roman would then start going into mind games with Jay and tell Jay that he's been grooming him for the past three years. He hasn't been grooming him for the past months. No, it's been three years. Roman would say that I got the bloodline into the promised land. He's been trying to groom Jay to make sure that Jay keeps them in the promised land. And Roman would tell Jay that Paul isn't the problem. It's his brother and it's always been that way ever since they were little because Roman has been watching them. Because they've been family. Now, Jimmy would come out. Jimmy would interject himself. Jimmy would say, nope, that's not true. It's always been me and you. And the problem truly is our cousin over here. Now you have this situation where everybody's in the ring. It's all tense. And now Roman is playing dirty. Roman would ask Paul to come here. And Paul would walk over to Roman. And 
Roman would ask Paul, Paul, who was the only person that interjected when I say that Jay Uso was the right-hand man? Paul, looking surprised by this, and he even looks sad by this because he doesn't really want to say it. And Roman asks Paul, who said it? And Roman and Paul look over at Jimmy, and they point at Jimmy. And now Jay is standing there. He doesn't really believe this. And Roman says, you two need to have a talk. Go ahead. Talk to him. Jay turns around. He looks at Jimmy, and he asks Jimmy, is that true? Is what he's saying true? Jimmy not wanting to look Jay in the eyes. Jay would tell Jimmy to look at him in the eyes. And Jimmy would have to confess that it's true. So now you get that shock of disbelief. Jay's confidence gets sh- like shut down at that moment. And Jay just starts unloading years of frustrations that you could tell that a younger brother has to an older brother. He told Jimmy point blank, yo, I expect that out of Roman, but not out of you. You're my blood. It's always been me and you kind of going against him. But in reality, I've been trying to keep up with you, Mr. Prom King, Mr. Most Likely to Succeed, just listing out all the accolades that you would get with a big brother and a younger brother situation when the younger brother's trying to keep up with his older brother. Now, Jay would tell Jimmy that it's a blessing in disguise because when you went down, I ended up becoming the right-hand man and I started getting main events. I started becoming main event Jay Uso. And it's all because of Roman Reigns. And now you get to the cinematic moment and you get to Jay letting out all his frustration and he tells Jimmy, you're out. And now you get this hush and everybody's booing and Jay is still looking at Jimmy and Jay would tell Jimmy and I'm out too. And then Jay with the quickness super kicks Roman and that gets the crowd pop. The crowd goes berserk because now Roman has lost his control over Jay. He never truly had control over Jimmy. He had control over Jay, but now he's finally lost that control. And now you see Solo standing there. He looks berserk and he looks at his brothers and he wants to try to maul them. But they hit Solo with a super kick and then a double super kick and Solo's down. Now Roman's starting to get up. The Usos trying to walk away out of the ring and Roman is just going crazy. He yells out, you guys don't leave me. Nobody leaves me. And the Usos would hit Roman with a double super kick and lay out Roman Reigns. And that's how SmackDown ends. The bloodline has crumbled. And you now know that we're probably going to get a Roman solo in the Usos match somewhere down the line. I expect a one-on-one match with Roman and Jay to run it back after they did it three years ago during the pandemic, and especially at the height of what the storyline is now. I expect it to happen, but what people don't realize is that in the next following weeks, I expect a more vicious style of Roman Reigns, to be completely honest, because now you have a guy that has lost his empire. Yes, he still has Solo. Yes, he still has Paul, but he has lost... Well, his right hand, he has lost the person that was being manipulated underneath his guide for all these many years. He's lost that now. And when somebody that's so powerful loses someone that he was able to manipulate so easily, they go back crap crazy. So in the next following weeks, I expect Roman to go back crap crazy, to be completely honest. But we'll have to see what more comes to pass. And I suggest, and I really do mean this, I highly suggest going back to SmackDown. If you did not see it, 
my review of it was only subpar. I need you to go see the actual theatrics of it all and see how the whole crowd was invested in it. Go and watch that segment and you will be highly, highly entertained and you will probably want to watch SmackDown all the time just for that storyline alone. But anyhow, that's your SmackDown Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now we go over to AEW Rampage and we open up with a trios match. United Empire's own Will Ospreay, Kyle Fletcher, and Jeff Cobb going against Chaos's best friends of Trent Beretta and Chuck Taylor and Rocky Romero. The United Empire would win the match by pinfall when Rocky would go for a slice bread on Will Ospreay, but Kyle Fletcher would catch Rocky and hit him in a spinning tombstone. This will allow Will Ospreay to then hit the hitting blade on Rocky, then cover him for the win. After this, we had Trisha Dora going against Taya Valkyrie. Taya would win the match by pinfall when she would hit a Super Dragon Stomp on Trisha Dora. For people that don't know it, you just type in YouTube and type in uh, Super Dragon and Stomp and you'll see what it is. It's someone uh, tying their opponent's leg around one of their legs and you hold both of your opponent's arms up and then you just like stomp the back of their head into the mat. So that's what Ty Valkyrie did to Trisha Adora to win the matchup here. Now, after this, we'll have a six-person tag matchup next. Mark Briscoe and his father, Papa Briscoe, and Aubrey Edwards going against Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, and Karen Jarrett with Satnam Singh and Sanjay Dutt in their corner. Mark Briscoe, Papa Briscoe, and Aubrey Edwards would win the match by pinfall when Aubrey would make Karen Jarrett tap out to the figure four leg lock. Um, chaotic matchup. You know where you're getting yourself into. Aubrey and Karen are not wrestlers. Papa Briscoe is definitely not a wrestler. He's only had a couple matches, and I use that, like, slightly in Ring of Honor with his sons, the Briscoes, Jay and Mark, like, years ago. But, again, you had three competitors who were not wrestlers. You had three other competitors who were wrestlers. I mean, come on. You know what you're getting yourself into. It was a fun matchup for this people to just be entertained by, and you got that here. So I'm happy the match is what it was. Now, after this, we go backstage. Uh, Taya Valkyrie is being interviewed. She's all joyous because she got a win here tonight, but then the interview turns to talk about Chris Statlander being TBS champion. Taya would finally mention what everybody's been talking about, how she was the one that broke down Jay Cargill and Taya uh, is not getting the credit that she deserves for it. And then you get Chris walking right up to Taya and saying, hey, I understand you're upset. It's not my fault. Jay put out the open challenge at the yard match. And you would know that Chris throws out an open challenge to Taya, saying, you know where I'm going to be at. Matter of fact, we can do it next week. So we have that match scheduled more than likely for next week on Rampage. Now we go off to our main event. It is Bandito going against Kenosuke Takeshita with Don Callis in his corner. Takeshita would win the match by pinfall by hitting Bandito with a forearm behind the head, then a running knee to the face. These two had a good uh, amount of time to come up with a good match, and they were able to deliver on a great episode of Rampage. A lot of action, a lot of wrestling, solid wrestling on that show, and it just gave the viewer... Uh, anticipation for Saturday's collision, which is tonight. And that's basically what they were trying to get people hyped up for, for people to go in to watch collision. And hopefully you guys will be watching collision because I know I will be. Now with that, that is your 
AEW Rampage Wrestling Highlights of the Week. And that is the show. Now, what am I going to do? Am I going to talk about Collision next week on the show, more than likely, or am I going to talk about it on the midweek episode? I'm probably going to talk about it on the Saturdays, so you'll probably get a uh, back episode of AEW Collision on the next week's episode of uh, Wrestling Highlights of the Week, because I don't want to extend myself out so much, because I'm already doing that already with a Sunday episode, Saturday episode, and a Wednesday episode, so that's just my whole thing. If I happen to change it up, you'll probably get the first notice on the midweek episode, so tune in on Wednesday to see if I do talk about AEW Collision instead of on a Saturday, but only time will tell on that. Again, I'm still mixing on that, but again, we will have to see on that. Now, you guys have been with me almost for an hour and freaking 20 minutes. It's time for me to get you guys out of here. I love you guys. Have a great Saturday. Please be careful. Please be safe. Again, if you did not see AEW Dynamite, go and watch that episode. That episode was great from top to bottom. And if you did not see SmackDown, go and watch SmackDown. That whole card was great from top to bottom as well. So go watch both of those shows and tune into NXT next week and tune into Raw next week because on Raw you have Seth Rollins with open challenge for the World Heavyweight Championship. And on NXT next week you have Seth Rollins, if he retains, which we know he will, be defending his World Heavyweight Championship against Braun Breaker on NXT next week. So please go watch all these wrestling shows. I am not getting paid by none of these wrestling shows when I review them or when I'm telling you to go and watch them. It's just me being a fan trying to tell other fans to go watch the product. Now, with that being said, I'll be with you guys here next week on Saturday to talk about wrestling again. But if you want to listen to news, I have a Sunday episode coming out tomorrow. And if you missed last week's Sunday episode, it's up there right now in the archives. But if you just want to hear me talk about any and everything, you listen to my Wednesday midweek episode podcast. Now, with all the self-promotion out of the way, I love you. I thank you. Please be safe. Please take care of yourself, and you'll hear from me again next Saturday. I'll see you all later.